sing with me here as the Spirit. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart bound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving.
Do you believe that this morning, that the Holy Spirit is with us? He has promised where two or more are gathered, I am there in your name. Let's take just a couple moments and greet the people around you. blessing it is to be able to come together and lift the name of our living God. Because of that, we can have a living hope even in the midst of life's hardest struggles. Let's, let's sing this next song together and loudly before God. Sing it with me. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living
keep singing here with uh, another one of my favorite songs here.
before the throne of grace majesty before my eyes I'll let it take my breath away a million angels fall face down on the floor all to echo Father, we thank you so much that you are God, and Lord, that you are holy, and you are the one who is holy above all others. You are set apart. You are special, and because of that, we are here this morning, lifting your voice, knowing you are the only hope. You are the only one that gives us a foundation for what we need. So, Father, this morning, I pray that we, we receive that from you. And that we give that back out into the world through the way that we live our lives, through the, the hope that we display, even in times of uncertainty. Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. I do have a few announcements that I just wanted to go through quickly. I encourage you to make sure you go to the website and check out. There's a whole bunch, there's a few things. There's a, there's a bunch of fall things that are going to be happening here. Uh, and a lot of that information is on the website. And one of the things is next week, guys, get your red on, okay? We're going to be celebrating. Uh, I think it's the Chiefs are going to play a game or something like that. And plus, it's going to be our fall kickoff here. So make sure you wear your red. We're going to have some special stuff that are happening uh, next week as a part of that. So we definitely want you to, to be a part of that. Um, I know uh, some small groups, or some women's groups are gonna be kicking off here soon. So make sure you talk with Lori on that. And some of our student ministry stuff is gonna kick off for the fall here in the next couple of weeks. So make sure you check into those things. We definitely want you to be a part of that. And we also have a little video for some different ways that you can give. that you're with us and uh, just want to pray one more time. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. All right, Father, we thank you for your word, the opportunity we have to, to uh, look at it and to evaluate our lives in light of it, to learn from you, to choose your path to walk. And 
This morning, God, we just begin to look at your word. We just ask that your spirit would speak to us from your word, that you would help us to pursue your way of life. And uh, we want to thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for your grace and uh, the promise that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, and that you want us to understand what you've got in your word for us. So open our minds and our hearts, and we uh, dedicate ourselves to endeavoring to walk in obedience. So help us, Lord. Lift this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, last year, uh, my wife Lori and I planted a garden like we do most years. Uh, we planted a number of things. You t- just a small garden, tomatoes and cucumbers. We pl- usually plant some zucchini and some yellow squash, a few other things. But for whatever reason, last year, it really didn't produce much. You know, with the COVID and everything, we had a little extra time to devote to it. And even though we devoted some more time, it, ju- it just didn't produce uh, all that much. And so this year, I recommitted myself to the basics of gardening. That's what I did. I just thought I got to get back to the basics of gardening instead of some of the things I was trying last year and the distractions and so on. So, uh, so you, you know the basics of gardening. Good soil preparation, you start with that. You know, in Kansas, what do you got to do regularly? Water, right? You got to water regularly in Kansas. So this year, I invested in some soaker hoses to help me be a little more strategic about where the water went instead of just broadcasting it all over you know, my backyard, trying to focus where it went a little more strategically. Uh, periodically, you know, in gardening, you gotta fertilize the plants if they're gonna produce anything, and then uh, you wanna keep weeds and pests to a minimum. And I have to tell you, it has paid off because here we are in September, and we are still enjoying fresh cucumber salads. We are still enjoying you know, BLTs with vine-ripened tomatoes, and. It's just been a wonderful thing, and I keep remembering as I'm you know, kind of celebrating this late in the season even with, with fresh produce, just, just reminds me that you gotta just pay attention to the basics when it comes to gardening. You can do other things, you can be creative about it all, you know, like where you trellis this, or there's all kinds of creative things you can do, but when it comes right down to it, it's the basics, you pay attention to that. Well, what's true for gardening? is true for life. Certain basics of life that we dare not ignore or neglect. And so we've been in this series the last few weeks, and we've just entitled Back to the Basics. And we've been several weeks into it now. I encourage you, if you've missed certain weeks, because people have been traveling and so forth, if you missed some weeks, uh, make sure and go out on our website. You can access those, listen to uh, the messages, enjoy the worship uh, of those weeks as well. But we don't want to neglect or ignore some of the basics of life. And so what we're doing right now is continuing to just focus on some of those basics. And today we're going to focus on three basic biblical truths of life that every one of us needs to live with a constant awareness of. Three basics of life, truths of life, that if you just, if you want to walk in God's path, you really do have to get these up front in your mind. And so what we're going to do today is look at a particular passage of Scripture. We're going to have your Bible open it to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This particular passage talks about these three truths of life. They're just basic truths of life. Probably none of us are going to go, oh, I've never thought of that. Because why? These are basics. These are just foundational things that we need to keep front and center in our mind. But let me just say, there are things that sometimes we don't focus on that much. We just sort of let them slip because we're interested in what's new and creative and 
prophetic and other stuff. So uh, all has its place, but we want to focus on this right now. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we start at verse 1, and it reads like this. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, the text says, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. So just pause. Right? Some of us wonder sometimes, what happens when you die? Are you just going to be floating around? No, you will not be a spirit without a body. The, the text is so clear. You're not going to be that. It's not what you were made for. You were made for a body. We, we will not be spirits without bodies. We'll put on heavenly bodies, verse 3 says. Verse 4 continues and says, And while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee has given us his Holy Spirit. So we're always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we'll be at home with the Lord. So whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. And in passage concludes, we're going to read, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now, this is a rich passage of Scripture. And for the next few moments, what I want us to do is just reflect back on it, give our attention to three basic biblical truths of life that are referred to in this passage. Every one of us needs to live with a constant awareness of these truths. They're very important for our spiritual health and well-being and our long-term uh, well-being. And so the first basic truth of life revealed in these verses, let me just say, is obvious. It's obvious, but it's ignored as much as possible most of the time by all of us. The first basic biblical truth is this. Death is inevitable. It shows up in the text. Notice the language of 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. It says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, then explains what it means. That is when we die and leave this earthly body. Now, notice the verse doesn't say, for we know that if this earthly tent we live in is taken, because this is not a might happen kind of deal. It's inevitable. It's a subtle reminder to us that death is inevitable for all of us. We don't like to think about that very much. It's a basic fact of life, though, that we are wise if we keep in mind. It helps us calibrate the expectations of what we do with our life. It helps us think about time and money. It helps us think about priorities, keeping this kind of stuff in mind. In fact, Ecclesiastes 7 emphasizes this very same point, the inevitability of death and the, the wisdom of pondering using these words. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 2 says, just think of how graphic this is and how countercultural this is. It says, better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. You know, you tell somebody this is your favorite verse in the Bible, they will flip out. Right? Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies. 
So the living should take this to heart, the passage says. It goes on, it says, sorrow is better than laughter. Instead of comedy clubs, you should have sorrow clubs. It's kind of the idea here, okay? This is so countercultural, contrary to how we think. Sorrow is better than laughter. It goes on and explains, for sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. Now, if you're like me, I definitely have an inclination to want to think about things that are happy and good more than I want to think about funerals and death. But the passage, I mean, God wants us to understand from passages like this that if I want to grow in wisdom and character, I need to take death seriously enough that I actually pause and think about its inevitability. And not just on rare occasions, but according to Ecclesiastes 7, often, often. So with COVID-19 and its variants among us and with Afghan Christians being hunted down by the Taliban and with fires in the West and floods in the South and the East, I would say that most of us have plenty of opportunity to think about the inevitability of death, that it's coming for everyone sooner or later. But here's the thing. You and I have the potential to shove it out of our minds even in that environment, the environment we live in. The counsel of God would be to say one of the basic, fundamental truths of life is that if you, want to, if you want to walk with God, if you want to be a spiritual person, somebody who's truly has the mind of God, that, then you take death seriously. And you're not afraid to ponder it, think deeply about it. Doesn't mean you have to like it or love it. It just means you need to think through the implications of it. And if we'll do that, it'll have refining influence on us. And here's one of the reasons why thinking about the inevitability of death tends to steer our thoughts a bit, why it'll have a refining influence. It'll steer our thoughts in some key ways. And the second basic truth of life that shows up in 2 Corinthians 5 is this. The second basic truth is that reward and accountability are coming. And this is one of the foundational truths of, of the spiritual life that, again, we just want to push away from us as a culture. We'd much rather, we prefer parties over pondering this, but the reality is, according to 2 Corinthians 5.10, says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. How many of us are going to stand before Christ to be judged? What's the passage say? All. And how many of I mean, who among us is going to receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done? Each of us, it says. So, I mean, there's no, no exceptions. Not, not, not group think here. It's individual think in the passage. The passage is just alerting all of us to a future personal appointment with Jesus that every one of us is predestined for. Some of us get hung up on predestination, all kinds of weird stuff. This is one instance where Scripture is really clear. Every one of us is predestined to stand before Christ one day. Every one of us. We're going to stand individually accountable for our behavior, for what we've actually done with our bodies, whether good or bad. And that's both good news and bad news in some respect. 
I mean, many of you have made sacrifices for the sake of the good or benefit of others. And no one knows what you've done but you. I mean, no one knows. You've done it, and there are moments in your private moments you wonder, what was I thinking? Why, why did I do it? Nobody even knows. A passage like this reminds us that, no, actually, God knows. God knows. And one of these days, when you stand before Christ, as each of us is going to do, you're going to receive blessing for the good that you've done in your body. You're not going to receive blessing because you're perfect, because none of us is perfect. You're going to receive blessing because you used your body for something that Jesus approved of. And nobody else knows. And he wants you to know, thumbs up. That was good. Yeah, you, it's exactly what I would have done, he would say to you, if I was in your place in that moment. So don't let yourself grow weary in well-doing. There is no good deed that goes unnoticed by our loving, attentive God, who is the chief shepherd of all of his children. But just as good is going to be rewarded when some people stand before Christ, the Bible is forewarning everyone that evil is also going to be judged. And if we're humble and if we're sober-minded, this basic truth has the potential to do two things. It has the potential to simultaneously restrain evil in us and at the same time encourage virtuous living. See, some of, us, some of us like evil in our culture. We, we have a fondness for it because it brings us money or it brings us physical stimulations that we like or it brings other things into our life that's evil but we like in our heart of hearts. Scripture in a passage like this is saying, you know, giving this to say, you know, that will be judged, that kind of thing. And for those of us who are endeavoring to walk in holiness, even though we're not holy and perfect on, on our own, this passage is trying to say to us, it's trying to say, let this principle, let this truth restrain evil. Let it help you remember that like, oh, that's right. I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to confess this face to face to the one who sacrificed his life on my behalf on the cross. Instead, I'm going to buckle down, and with the hope of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to endeavor to live virtuously. It's not about whether it comes naturally to me or not. It's a choice to take seriously the fact that we're all going to stand before one who's holy and righteous and perfect one day. Our current culture would do well to remember this basic truth of life, and in many respects, it's become evident that the wheels are coming off in some culture because we've been ignoring this truth for many years now, for decades, really. But we who are Christ followers need to embrace it. We need to embrace it. And just because others ignore it doesn't mean that somehow God grades on the curve on this stuff. Because they do it, you and I can get away with it. He still expects us to keep this basic truth of life in mind. There's reward and accountability coming for everyone. Every one of us is predestined for this. 
So next time you're tempted to refill your big Q soft drink at Quick Trip and not pay, like I saw somebody do not too long ago. At least I think that's what happened, unless they paid a long time before. But next time you're tempted to do that, remember that accountability for small theft and a whole lot of larger sins, it's unavoidable. It's unavoidable. Every one of us is predestined to accountability. And the good news is that for all of us who put our faith in Christ, all of us who live with mercy as a part of our life because of our faith in Christ, the promise of God is that God will forgive you and me for our many shortcomings. But that's not endorsement to just continue in sin because everybody else is doing it. There's still accountability even for that. One of the great rewards for faith-filled living, though, shows up in this particular passage. It's a third basic truth of life. It's referred to pretty extensively, really. In fact, many read this passage and they don't even see anything else. They just see this point, but this point is significant. And the basic truth of life that we've all got to keep in mind is that hope is available. God has made it possible for you and me to live with hope even in the world in which we live. Hope is available because God has promised us new life, new bodies, and eternal home with Him. Listen to the first few verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, rich verses. It says, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, some passages even say destroyed, some of the translations uh, say that, and I think it's in part because it's in a larger context. We had time to go back and read 1 Corinthians 5. Uh, or 2 Corinthians 4, you, Paul's talking about persecution and suffering and hardship. And it's, it's the kind of passage that if you lived in Afghanistan right now and you were a believer, you're clinging to every word that comes from chapter 4 on into chapter 5, if that's you, right? But he comes to this point, it says, so translate, for when we know that this earthly tent we live in is taken down or destroyed, it could be translated. That is, when we die and leave this earthly body, the passage goes on to promise we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Just pause to think about the significance of the language. You are the byproduct of your mother and your father. But This passage is saying your new body will not be the byproduct of your mother and father. You'll be a byproduct of the Father in heaven who has fashioned that body very specifically just for you. That's not to say that God doesn't have anything to do with your present mother and father, but it is to say that this is singularly his creation specifically for you. And so think of the grandeur, the, grandeur, the brilliance of, of the earth and all that God created according to Genesis and what we know. I mean, it's like if he can create all that, he's going to do something on that scale for you, for you. Verse 2 continues, we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. And it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. It's just like he's saying, just don't misunderstand. It's not like we want to get rid of them. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, 
He has given us His Holy Spirit. Now, this passage is reminding you and me that if we have given our lives and our bodies to Jesus, that our future destiny is not disappointment and death. Your destiny, my destiny, is new life, a new body, an eternal home with God Himself. And friend, your new body is going to be a significant upgrade over the one you got right now. It's going to make this one lame by comparison. You know, it's Labor Day weekend, and lots of folks I know right now are camping somewhere this weekend. Lots of people I know camping. Uh, part of that's because I like to camp, but, you know, and so people tell me this stuff. So we got a lot of people camping this weekend. And, and tent camping is fun for a weekend, right? For a weekend, it's fun. Uh, as long as it's cool, as long as it's dry, as long as it's scenic, right, we, you can enjoy tent camping for a weekend. But what if your tent camping experience happens to be hot, wet, and buggy? You know what I'm saying? You know, lots of sweat, leaky tents, pesky mosquitoes. If that's your tenting experience, what do you think about that? Let's just say that's why people buy campers and cabins and condos and timeshares. I mean, it's not because the timeshare guy has done this. It's just like he keeps thinking about mosquitoes. They keep thinking about, the, you know, this is, this is what happens. Friends, the Bible is telling us in 2 Corinthians 5 that the life we now live is tent camping. I mean, it literally uses the metaphor in the text. Your body's a tent. There are some occasional days in this life, right, that are nice, right? Some weekends that we like. There are a lot more days filled with pesky problems and leaks and holes in these tents, right? Particularly as you get older, you notice that the tent leaks and creaks more than you ever imagined. But God wants us to understand there's hope. There is hope because of Jesus' sacrifice because of your faith in his sacrifice, your old tent is going to be replaced one of these days by a house in the heavens, an eternal body. You'll be dressed in radiant heavenly clothing. And scripture tells us that God himself has prepared you for this. And as a guarantee, he's already given you his Holy Spirit. He's given you his spirit to help you believe as a down payment that what he's promised is coming. So I got to ask you, how much time have you recently spent thinking about your house in the heavens, your eternal body that's coming one of these days? How much time have you pondered being dressed in radiant heavenly clothing by, by the one who loved you so much that he died on a cross to atone for your sins? So instead of one day standing before him with a whole lot of accountability, there's going to be a whole lot of reward and blessing and grace. How much do you think about this? Have you spent as much time thinking about your future hope in Christ as you spent thinking about vaccines and masks, how to strengthen your immune system? As you spent thinking about you know, Hurricane Ida or spent thinking about fires in California or... 
Colossians 3 tells us, as do other passages, just emphasize the importance of where we focus our thoughts. It uses these words, Colossians 3, since you've been raised to new life with Christ. So clearly speaking to believers here. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, and it's the language of baptism because he's just in Colossians 2, just been talking about how we're buried with Christ in baptism. We were raised to walk in newness of life and we've received the spirit according to Acts 2.38. And there it's the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes to all who've given their lives to Christ. And so he just picks up with that thought, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. I mean, could he be more emphatic, more clear? Think about the things of heaven, not just the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life, your real life, is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. The point is, is not only is his radiance going to fill the skies and fill the earth, but guess what? You're going to be radiant too. Because you're his. Just as we need to live with a constant awareness of the reality of death and accountability, these passages are saying to us, every one of us needs to live with a constant awareness of this truth that hope is available. Hope is yours. It's alive. It's certain. You can take it to the bank. And it's available because of Jesus' sacrifice and your faith that you put in him. One of the basic biblical truths of life we need to regularly reflect on. Next few moments, we're going to share in uh, communion time together. It's a perfect opportunity for us to pause and just reflect on some of these things. It's a perfect reminder of the inevitability of death because even Jesus entered into our death with us. I mean, he died. He knows what it's like. We do not serve a Lord who has no idea what death is like. For all of us right now, he knows what we don't yet quite know. He endured it and he overcame it for your sake, for mine. He himself stood before the Father. Scripture tells us, you know, Mary at the garden tomb, she grabs his feet and says, you know, don't, don't touch me right now. I, I must present myself to the Father. He goes on and makes the point and present himself before the Father as an offering on our behalf, the substitute, sort of in the heavenly realms, the, the glorious heavenly temple is what he did, which is a real place. We sort of do weird things with it in our head because we can't conceive of it, but it's real. Scripture's clear. But he did all of that so he could make hope and new life, new bodies, forgiveness, all available for you and me. And as we share in the Lord's Supper this morning, as we eat the bread, it's a reminder of the body of Jesus nailed to the cross for our benefit. And the, the juice is a reminder of the blood of Jesus which was shed on the cross 
for our benefit, his life given so that we could receive life from him. So this morning, as you take the bread and the juice, just want to invite you to express your gratitude, reiterate your faith in Jesus to him and your prayers. If you've never given your life to Jesus for the first time, it's a perfect opportunity for you to just in your spirit, just confess to Jesus your need for him and your thanks for him. Invite him into your life and let's pray together and then we'll share in the Lord's Supper, okay? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only Son to be a substitute on the cross for the punishment that we deserved. He endured what we deserved to endure. And the mercy that he should have received because of what he endured and because of our faith in him, we get to endure that mercy, receive that mercy on that day when we stand before you. We don't deserve that, Lord. We don't want in any way to trivialize that or minimize the significance of that. We don't fully grasp it, but we understand that a very sacred and holy thing has taken place because of what he did. And we honor you, Lord Jesus, for your death on our behalf. We're sorry for the sins that we've committed that necessitated that suffering and death. We're eternally grateful that we have a future and a hope because of your resurrection and your mercy toward us. So we humble ourselves before you and we thank you. We ask for your cleansing afresh this day. We ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit afresh this day. We need you. We need you to help us keep forefront in our minds the kind of biblical truths that are just basic to life that we've talked about this morning. Help us to ponder them. Help us to encourage others to do it too. As we take these emblems, we once again offer ourselves to you and ask for that filling that comes from you and your spirit. Thank you for hearing our prayers. We lift this prayer now together in the name of Jesus and everybody agreed with me and said, Spend a few moments in communion with the Lord.
I know that uh, Greg was saying we need to focus on uh, funerals more than celebration, but we're going to finish with a celebration song. So everybody stand up. Everybody need, you, you need to, I want to hear some joyful noise with this, okay? Everybody good for that? All right, here we go. Search the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures of faith, never enough. You came along.
Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we can celebrate this, Lord, that the grave is not the end, but Lord, you turn it into something beautiful, Lord, as, as you, make, you, you make things new again, that out of death comes even beauty, that graves turn into gardens. And Lord, I thank you that you don't just do that when we physically die, Lord, but you continue to make us live again in this world not perfect, but you continue to make dead things new again. And Lord, I pray that you are, you continue to do that here in Southwoods and through Southwoods to the world. And Lord, I pray specifically right now, some of our ministry partners, Jeremy and Beth, head back out and serve. Lord, I pray that you bless them and their family and you watch over them. And we thank you for the ministry that they have. Dear Father, we lift all this up to you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If any of you have any, any prayer needs, we encourage you. We'd love to pray with you. Come on forward and talk with us or send something to pastors at southwoods.org. Have a great day.